Nats Chat is brought to you by Walters. Make sure that you check out Walters' self-pour beer wool. Included on tap is Baby Shark IPA, Sunny Little Thing, Grapefruit Nectar, and more. Walk on over to Walters for Game 4 of the Stanley Cup Finals. Puck drops at 8 p.m. on Wednesday night. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The 2-2. Popped him up. Shallow left. Garcia, the shortstop, drifting out. He's under it. He'll make the catch. And it's a 1-2-3 inning for Eric Fetty, who's retired seven Orioles in a row. On to the seventh we go. Now a drive of the year to right toward the corner. Long run Santander. And this one is gone. Goodbye. Right down the line. Clears the 21-foot wall. In and out of the fans' hands. Up above on the wall in front of Utah Street. It's an opposite field. Home run for Lane Thomas. It's the Nationals three and the Orioles nothing. And welcome to Nats Chat for Wednesday, June 22nd, 2022, along with MadisonSports.com Nationals insider Mark Zuckerman, who was at Oriole Park at Camden Yards in Baltimore. I'm Al Galdi, host of the Al Galdi podcast. One of the beauties of baseball is that you never know what you're going to get, nor do you ever know when you're going to get what you're going to get. The Nationals, all of a sudden, are on a starting pitching roll. Where this came from, we do not know. How this is happening, we do not know. But Josiah Gray on Saturday, six scoreless innings. Jackson Tatro on Sunday afternoon, seven innings, three runs, all of which are unearned. And Eric Fetty on Tuesday night, Oriole killer Eric Fetty, six scoreless innings in a 3-0 Nats win at the O's in game one of a two-game series in the 2022 Battle of the Beltways. Fetty was terrific. The Nats' bullpen was outstanding. And Mark, all of a sudden, the Nats can pitch. Well, it's the strength of this team, Al. It's the way it was designed all along, behind great starting pitching. And now that's how you win championships, right? We've seen it happen here before. (laughs) It's so remarkable to think about where they were four days ago, (laughs) what we were talking about not that long ago about the state of the pitching staff and specifically the rotation and the domino effect of all that. And then it's amazing what just a couple of good quality starts and an off day, of course, can do for you. And they have hit the reset button completely. They are in great shape now. I think that helped the bullpen allow them to be fresh for this one. All three of them had had a couple of days off. It was a beautiful thing to watch. And you just hope they can keep this ball rolling. And the task is now up to Patrick Corbin on Wednesday to uh, keep the streak going. 
Yeah, you know, the Orioles are an odd team offensively this year, not unlike the Nats. There are some games in which the O's hit like crazy. There have been plenty of other games in which the O's have done next to nothing offensively, but there are some good hitters in that Oriole lineup, and the Nats on Tuesday night did a very good job against these guys. I mean, the Orioles' best hitter this season has been Austin Hayes. He went 0 for 4 with four strikeouts. Nats did a great job on him, and really for the bulk of the game, the O's for the game, it's not just that the O's scored no runs. The Nats held the Orioles in this game to a mere four hits, just one walk, uh, struck out 10 times, the O's did, and the O's for the game 0 for 1 with runners in scoring position. The Orioles had one at-bat the entire game with a runner in scoring position. Well, uh, Eric Fetty, so the best of Eric Fetty this season at least had been what he did against the Dodgers at Nationals Park on May 25th. Six scoreless innings, six strikeouts. What he did on Tuesday night was his best outing since then. Now, I, I think that outing against the Dodgers stands above this outing at the Orioles, but Fetty on Tuesday night ended up doing a really good job. Uh, he gave the Nats in this game six scoreless innings. He gave up just two hits, both of which were singles. He had four strikeouts versus one walk, and that was maybe as encouraging as anything, given how many walks that he had been giving up. Fetty came into the game with a walk rate this season of 445. Uh, you know, he did do his uh, Eric Fetty thing of throwing a lot of pitches, 97 pitches over six innings. But, I mean, this is about as good as we've seen from Eric Fetty so far this year, what he did on Tuesday night. The results were outstanding, of course. And he mentioned the same thing. And he says, I feel like I say this all the time, but it, it is true. He just gets into these long counts. He gets ahead and he can't put them away. And next thing you know, it's a seven pitch, eight pitch at bat. Now he's often getting the out at the end of all that, but he is using up pitches and that's preventing him from going any deeper. I mean, you, you read the line and say six scoreless innings, two hits, four strikeouts, one walk. You would think he'd go more than six innings based on that, but he just didn't have the efficiency to be able to do that. So that's the next step for him. But they're not in a position to get greedy about this right now from Eric Fetty. You take six scoreless innings, no matter how many pitches it takes you to get there. And he did do a really good job of making the pitches when he needed to. And like Jackson Tatro on Sunday, he finished strong, retired the last seven batters he faced, uh, was pretty efficient in the sixth inning, only 12 pitches to retire the top of the order the third time he faced them. So much so that I thought there was a question of maybe would he bring him back to at least start the seventh with the pitch count still under 100. But this is, goes back to what I was saying before. All three of the top relievers were fresh. They had a day off. They didn't pitch on Sunday either. So David was very comfortable going to Finnegan, Edwards, and Rainey. And so it, it really, I mean, you map that out. That worked out about as well as you could have asked for in this game. Yeah. And the bullpen was superb on Tuesday night. Uh, you know, we talk about the Nats A bullpen, the Nats B bullpen. This was the A bullpen on full display uh, and in its full glory here on Tuesday night. Kyle Finnegan, Carl Edwards Jr., and Tanner Rainey. And in that order, by the way, Finnegan was brought in for the bottom of the seventh. He tossed a scoreless bottom of the seventh with three strikeouts. Uh, Finnegan did give up a two-out full count double to Adley Rutschman to right field, but uh, Finnegan had the three strikeouts. His first two strikeouts were of the Orioles' numbers four and five batters, Austin Hayes and Ryan Mountcastle. Uh, then Edwards came into the game, scoreless bottom of the eighth inning for him, so another scoreless outing for Edwards. His ERA for the Nats this season now down to 282. You know, it was only a little more than a month ago that the Nats called Edwards up from AAA Rochester. It feels longer than that. It was May 10th 
that the Nats selected Edwards' contract for Rochester, and he, for the most part, has just been so good for them. Remember, the Nats signed this guy to a minor league contract back in February. He's been one of their best relievers this season. And then Tanner Rainey, who has not been great lately, uh, certainly was effective on Tuesday night. Scoreless bottom of the ninth, two strikeouts, and the two strikeouts were of the Orioles' numbers three and four batters. Anthony Santander and Austin Hayes, and the two strikeouts came on a total of eight pitches. So ultimately, Finnegan, Edwards, and Rainey combined for three scoreless innings with six strikeouts. I mean, that is back end of the game dominance by the Nats bullpen. As best you could ask for him, what was interesting here is, and I don't know if it's because they were fresh and had a couple days of rest, but they were throwing gas. You had Finnegan clocked in the high 90s and with a slider that registered 90 to 91. I've never seen that from him. He said he just really felt good on this night and felt like he had a good grip and good command of that one. And so he was cutting loose with it. And then you had Rainey hitting 99 in the ninth inning. I don't know if it was just a good night, good weather. Maybe the radar gun was a little hot here, but that was really impressive stuff. And as far as using Finnegan early, that was a case of Davey looking at the matchups and saying that was the tougher part of the lineup, the middle of the lineup in the seventh. He's not worried about, well, Finnegan's got to pitch the eighth. No, that was the better matchup for him. He got three strikeouts and, uh, sandwiched around the Adley Rutschman double. And then Edwards ends up facing the bottom of the lineup and then the top of the lineup to end that. And then Rainey now gets the heart of the lineup again. So I like the way Davey managed that. And Finnegan himself understands he knows there's no reason to take any insult by that by going an inning earlier. It's actually a compliment saying this is the harder part of the lineup. We want you to pitch that that inning. It's such a typical thing, too, now that you see, you know, we're just a few months into this season, and a guy who has emerged as one of the Nats' most reliable relievers is someone who wasn't even on the major league roster to begin the season. And we see this so often in baseball, where what you think your bullpen will be and what it ends up being can be two very different things. And someone like a Carl Edwards Jr., who was at Rochester to begin the season now, by the middle of June is one of your more reliable and important relievers. And that's the nature of bullpens in baseball. They are volatile. They are unpredictable. And so often what you think will be the case, uh, it's like the exact opposite ends up being the case. Yeah. So remember uh, the first week, 10 days of the season, we had the A bullpen and we were talking about, wow, look at all the depth. And we were saying Rainey and Finnegan. And then it was Doolittle and it was Hunter Harvey and it was Steve Ciszek who it continues to be here all along, but he's pitching earlier in games for the most part and often is a multi-inning reliever. So not really being used in late innings unless the other guys aren't available. And you're right. You can have these best laid plans to start the year and very rarely does it work out that way. You see how it goes and you start picking the guys who are performing and earning it. With Edwards, we mentioned this the other night, it's now 20 appearances with the Nationals and 17 of them were scoreless. He gave up three runs in his first appearance. Then he had a back-to-back recently where he gave one run and then three runs in the next one. Otherwise, everything else has been zeros. It's been outstanding and they have needed it and it's been a real find for them, a guy that Davey knew well from their time in Chicago. But it had been a few years since Carl Edwards was an effective big league reliever. So it's not like this was some guy that they all came into the season saying, oh, yeah, wait wait till we get Edwards. He's going to make a real difference. No, it's been a very pleasant surprise, and it's been a godsend for them to actually give them three really reliable relievers at the back of games. Are you a law firm partner looking for a better situation for your practice and a blockbuster contract worthy of Juan Soto? If so, 
you should call Mason Kalfas of Zenith Legal in Washington, D.C. He works with law firms and lawyers on finding the perfect match. No platoons, just superstars. Some lawyers switch firms because of conflict. Some lawyers switch firms for a better platform for their practice. And some lawyers switch firms for more money. You need the Scott Boris of legal headhunters working for you, and that's Mason. Mason will work with you to find a better fit for your practice and ultimately the best deal for you and your entire team. Call him today at 202 486 3535 or check out his website zenithlegal.com. This is an unprecedented time in the legal market and many top firms are looking to expand. Call Mason today. Zenith Legal also works with associates and distinguishes itself on personal service. Zenith Legal doesn't just spam resumes out to law firms. Zenith Legal talks to the right people and gets your resume in front of the decision makers who matter. Whether you are a rainmaker partner or a mid-level associate, give Mason Kalfas at Zenith Legal a call today to accelerate your career. Call today, 202-486-3535. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Now the set of the pitch. Breaking ball ripped to left, tore the line, and down and fair. Extra bases right up to the wall at the 335 marker. Coming in to score is Hernandez from third as Cruz coasts into second with a double. His 11th two-base hit of the year and gives the Nationals a 1-0 lead with RBI number 38. Well, the Nats' offense on Tuesday night certainly wasn't great, but ultimately was good enough. Uh, Three runs, six hits, three walks, two for 11 with runners in scoring position. Lane Thomas had another good game in this month of June. He was an ad starting center fielder and number nine batter. We've seen that a little bit here lately. Uh, Lane on Tuesday night, two for four, did strike out twice, but he in the top of the seventh had a leadoff single to center field. And then the lane train in what was a one-run ninth for the Nats, a two-out first pitch opposite field solo homer to right field for a 3-0 Nats lead. Lane Thomas in this month of June now, batting average of 310, on base percentage 372, slugging percentage of 577. Do you know why it is that Davey has had Lane Thomas batting ninth here a few times lately? So I think it is when they face a righty, and we've seen him now put Soto back in the number two spot. So I think that they go hand in hand there. If they're facing a lefty, he would maybe go Thomas one 
and then Soto or even Hernandez two and Soto three. But against the righty, wanting to get Soto up sooner and knowing that Thomas is less effective against right. He's always been pretty good against everyone here lately. That's the way he's going. And it's kind of the quote unquote second leadoff hitter idea, especially if Robles isn't in the lineup, then you can do that. It was interesting. The home run was off a, a lefty late, right? That was Keegan Aiken that he hit that one off of. So I think that's the reasoning for it. We'll see how this goes moving forward. I, you know, they're still trying to figure out what's the best spot for Soto. He hit third for a while, seemed to have some success, then had that rough week. Now let's try him at second again. It's kind of a work in progress just to figure out what everyone is most comfortable with that makes the most sense. But I think against righties, you'll probably see a little bit more of this. Yeah, Keegan Aiken has actually been very good this season. So for Lane Thomas, the homer off Aiken, that's impressive. Uh, you mentioned Juan Soto. It was another underwhelming game for Juan. You know, he had the big home run the other day and we sucked. We talked about, it. well, hopefully that gets him going. But you can't just assume that because he's had some homers and then he's followed up those homers with not much. Uh, Soto on Tuesday night as an at's number two batter, 0 for 3 with a walk. He left five men on base. Uh, Josh Bell on Tuesday night left five men on base. He went one for four with a single. Uh, Luis Garcia had a rough night, too. 0 for 4 with a strikeout, left three men on base. But interesting to see Luis Garcia up to that number five spot. We've talked about, hey, Luis Garcia's hitting. Are we going to see him move up? Well, on at least Tuesday night, uh, we did see Luis Garcia move up. He was in the number five spot uh, for the Nats on Tuesday night. Yeah, and I think that's been a subtle little move here by Davey where he didn't do it all at once and bump the guy up a bunch of spots. It's kind of been casual one spot every couple of days where all of a sudden now he's hitting fifth and you can sort of do that and not make a big deal out of it, which I think was the key in his mind. We talked the other day about you don't want to put any added pressure on him uh, by saying, hey, you're hitting really well, so we're going to bump you up in the lineup. This was a little more subtle. Now, he didn't perform, went 0 for 4, although he drove a ball to the warning track in the first inning, so that was good. I'll be curious to see, do they stick with that again? You know, Ruiz bumped down to 6. He hasn't done as well lately. Yadiel Hernandez is now kind of a bottom-of-the-order hitter the way that he's been going. So I like it. Luis certainly has, you know, hit well enough to deserve hitting higher. You just hope that he, as a young player, doesn't think too much about that and just goes out and keeps having the same good approach that he's had even when he's batting at the bottom. Nats did have four extra base hits on Tuesday night. Only had six hits, but four were extra base hits. The Lane Thomas homer and then three doubles. Uh, Nelson Cruz, a former Oriole, two out first pitch RBI double to left field for a one nothing Nats lead in a Nats one run first. Uh, K-Bit Ruiz had a double in the game. Cesar Hernandez had a double in the game. So, you know, like we said, offense wasn't great, uh, but the offense did end up being good enough. Going back to Luis Garcia real quick. So he does remain the Nats every game starting shortstop. Davey Martinez has made that clear. And that's even now with Alcides Escobar off the 10-day injured list. Uh, The Nats on Tuesday afternoon reinstated Escobar from the 10-day IL. He had been on that since June 1st to a right hamstring strain. And I saw a quote from Alcides basically saying, hey, I'm here to help the team out. He seems to be taking the right attitude. He understands his role. He understands what the Nats are doing here with Luis Garcia. So I I like that from Alcides Escobar. He doesn't seem to be putting up a fuss at all about now being uh, a guy who's coming off the bench. No, and I think he he gets it. And look, let's remember how he got here in the first place last year. He was in AAA. He had been in Japan the year before. Uh, He was not really in a position to say that he deserves to be an everyday player in the big leagues. You know, it may still happen depending on other moves they make. But 
he gets it. He knows what they're trying to do here. I'll be interested to see how they use him now. He says he can play all three infield positions. Davies even mentioned the fact that he can play the outfield. Alcides said it's been a while, but he did used to do it uh, when he first came up in Milwaukee, and he's willing to at least give it a try. We'll see. They've got now Escobar and Adrianza, kind of the same player. It'll be interesting to see how do they pick between those two and who does what. But clearly at this point, Luis Garcia needs to be in the lineup every day, and everybody recognizes that and agrees with it. Hey guys, it's Al Galdi for Window Nation. It feels like everything is going up these days, including home prices. And so there's no better time to have the look of your home go up and the value of your home go up with new windows from Window Nation. Get two free windows with every two windows that you buy, plus pay nothing for two full years. Take advantage of this offer. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com and make sure that you tell Window Nation that Al Galdi sent you. It's getting hot outside. Weather impacts your windows. Hot days can cause a caulk to crack, seal failures, and condensation. Window Nation only uses top-of-the-line materials, including mold spray and quad max sealant. Window Nation is the best. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com and make sure that you ask for the deal that you heard about from Al Galdi. Two free windows for every two windows that you buy, plus pay nothing for two full years. 866-90NATION or windownation.com. That's 866-90NATION or windownation.com. And make sure that you tell Window Nation that Al Galdi sent you. You know, he's uh, emailed the Nats Chat Podcast, natschatpodcast at gmail.com. We've gotten some really good emails lately. This email from Rabbi Eric Fussfield in Arlington, Virginia. He, with the email, attaches a photo of himself in a Nats Chat Podcast t-shirt with his kids at the ballpark on Father's Day. Writes Eric, I should add that while last year I was declared a true soldier in the Nats Chat Army, I have more recently, last week, been ordained as a rabbi. So if the army ever needs a chaplain, look no further. So if we need spiritual guidance, Rabbi Eric is here for us. I love that. Uh, that's good stuff. And uh, congrats and a mazel tov to Rabbi Eric. Perhaps uh, I haven't looked at the calendar if the high holidays fall during the season or not this year, maybe not till the playoffs, but we may need to bring him in and help us out for those uh, holiest of holy days late in the season. Do the Nats have like a team priest or a team rabbi or team religious leaders? Do the Nats have anything like that or are the Nats uh, totally neutral when it comes to religion? So there are these organizations. They are baseball-wide. There's a baseball ministry, and there's also a Catholic one that they uh, have people in every city, and on Sunday mornings, they offer up services and other facilities and things for anyone who wants to use it. And sometimes you'll get players from both teams combining to do these things. So it's, it's not technically run by the teams themselves, but these organizations that baseball allows to come in and and do them. It's a nice thing. I don't know of any official baseball rabbi. Uh, There aren't a lot of them out there for it, but if anyone wanted it, I'm sure they would um, happily accept the offer. Well, Rabbi Eric, there might be a spot for you on the Nats, so uh, you have our support uh, if, in fact, you want that spot. You tell us what you think. Hit us up on Twitter at Nats underscore chat. You can email the podcast, NatsChatPodcast at gmail.com, including if you would like to sponsor the Nats Chat Podcast. Hit up Tim Shover's NatsChatPodcast at gmail.com. We also continue to welcome your 
Ryan Zimmerman memories, you can send us a voice memo, natschatpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to be like the good rabbi, Rabbi Eric, and get yourself a Nats Chat Podcast t-shirt, you can do so by going to natschatpodcast.square.site. All Nationals radio highlights on Nats Chat are courtesy of 106.7 The Fan. For Mark Zuckerman, I'm Al Galdi. We'll talk to you next time on the Nats Chat Podcast. And we leave you now with this Ryan Zimmerman tribute from Tim Newmark. Hey guys, this is Tim Newmark. I've been enjoying the podcast for two years and I have not missed an episode yet. My favorite Ryan Zimmerman memories are both from the 2019 postseason. Uh, of course, I love the home run and the NLDS. He had to break that game open. But it was his Game 1 World Series home run that I really remember because of how fitting it was that he was the first player to hit a World Series home run, first Nationals player. I follow Nationals games through Charlie and Dave on the radio but the visual I remember about that home run is how Garrett Cole threw his hand up in disgust after Zim made contact. He knew right away that Zim had just crushed it. What I loved about that home run is how Cole had been untouchable for a few months and how that home run seemed to give the team a little bit of confidence like, hey, we can do this. I attended the Zimmerman retirement ceremony last Saturday, and I'm glad to be a fan of a team who has a player of his talent and integrity and class. He was just great to watch. Thanks, guys, for the podcast. Uh, the work you guys put into this every single night is really outstanding. Talk to you later. Here's the wide of the pitch. Swing and a drive hit well. Deep center field. Way back goes Springer to the warning track. Looking up, and it is gone. Goodbye. Bang. Zoom goes the Z-Man to the deepest part of Minute Maid Park. Just to the left of the batter's eye in center field. Ryan Zimmerman with his second home run of the postseason cuts the Astros' lead in half. It's Houston 2 and Washington 1 on a postseason World Series home run for Ryan Zimmerman.